Craft Beer Radio, episode 326, on March 28, 2015. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio. We're still standing, 326 episodes later. Right? Sure. Absolutely. What do you have arrayed in front of me today? Uh, a wide variety of beers of no particular theme and or plan. Well, then where should we start? Paleo. Okay. This is the Greenville, or sorry, the Twin Lakes Brewing Greenville Pale Ale. Twin Lakes is in uh, Greenville, Delaware. Where'd this one come from? House of a Thousand Beers. House of a Thousand Beers. This is one of the, you know, let's buy a bunch of beers, cheaper beers, that of breweries that I was not immediately familiar with, and this was one of them. I see. They say they use whole flower cascade hops and American two-row barley malt. 5.5% alkali volume, 52 IBUs. Sounds very traditional. Located in the heart of the Brandywine Valley, Twin Lakes farm established 1826 is an american farm brewery we are preserving the art of brewing hmm. it's it pours an orangey haze it's got about uh yeah, about a finger's worth of a nice sort of pillowy head it has a good hop aroma to yet which is nice because yeah. i mean it was a while ago that i made the trip to house of thousand beers and picked up these beers this is one of the last ones remaining from that from that trip and, you know, there's no date code on it at all, so didn't know how old it was when we got it, but it still has a nice hop aroma to it, which is pleasing. Big maltiness to it. It definitely smells, you know, if you're picking in towards the English style versus, you know, West Coast pale ale, where it has this big, bready bit of caramel, but more of a toastiness. Um, malt aroma mm-hmm. to it. Now, uh, they say that they use whole flower cascade hops. That doesn't necessarily mean they don't use pelletized hops, right? Because uh, the pellets are, are really just whole flower hops that are compressed and turned into pellets. No, I mean, if they're going to say whole flower hops, it means they're using dried flower hops, not ground Pressed in the pellet hops. Okay. Victory uses whole flower hops, right? Um, so I, I take them at that. I was wondering if your question was whether it was 100% whole flower hops. Oh. Versus, but no, if your question was whether you can call pellet hops whole flower hops, no, they're different things in this parlance. They get messy. Well, especially if they're not dry. <laughs> they soak. I mean, that's one thing is when you brew with whole flower hops, homebrewers know this. They soak up a lot of liquid, mm-hmm. where pellet hops don't soak up soak up as much liquid. So there's lower efficiencies when you brew with whole flower hops. But the brewers who do it do it because they believe it gives them a characteristic that they can't otherwise get. I think you were right to. to... Remark on the the 
caramel like uh, um, notes on the body because it's definitely coming through in the flavor. So it's a, you know a lot of good hops, but it's mm-hmm. a, a pretty uh, basic uh, cascade. You know, straight through. There's really nothing mm-hmm. much going on there. But the, what's interesting is the the malt backbone here, which is nice mm-hmm. uh, caramel toffee. Um, what other stuffs come through? Just a, a nice, good drinker. Mm-hmm. You know, well done. I like the balance they're striking up. I like a a maltier pale ale. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much what you should expect from a beer like this, right? A good drinker. It's not going to be barrel aged imperial anything. It's right. a three dollar can of pale ale, uh, but it's it's a good three dollar can of pale ale. It's an enjoyable drinker. And, uh, yeah, no discernible problems. Still has a good hop character to it, even though it has age on it. It doesn't really taste hop-faded in any particular way. No. I mean, it might have been brighter yeah. when it was fresh, but it doesn't taste faded. Hop's leaning more towards orange than anything else. Maybe a little tangerine-esque, but that's kind of where the flavor mm-hmm. is. So while we're finishing up this beer, since there's not a ton to talk about, should we talk about some beer news, maybe? Yes. All right. What do we have? What beer here? news is there? Uh, da, 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 da. Good. Da, 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 is yeah. News. Yes. On the ball here at Craft Beer Radio. Um, I saw this interesting thing. It's been on the list for a few weeks, but we never got around to talking about it. I saw that. Let me click the link. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to go. It's a for, whole lot of buildup. I know. I was going to go from memory, but I wanted to click the link and, and refresh. And of course, it's on Forbes, so I have to look at the thought of the day. Ugh. Um, so, a Brazilian company, or I'm sorry, Ambev, AB Ambev, is working with Whirlpool Corporation to develop a home beer brewing machine. But it's not like the Pico Brew Zymatic that we saw before. This is a lot more like a Keurig coffee brewer. Oh, yeah. I did see that. So this thing's got to be using either condensed beer or the powdered alcohol stuff to kind of reconstitute beer. Yeah. Uh, It's a kind of a single cup serving beer thing. But it doesn't hold... As far as I could tell from reading this, it doesn't hold a keg of beer, like a little mini keg in the back. There was recently a Kickstarter for some guy doing something just like this, but it was um, kind of a, a growler serving thing where he had these little bags that you could go and get them filled at, like anywhere you could get a growler filled and you would seal it and you would tap it in your little system and you could serve it off of it, right? Uh, but as far as I can tell, this thing from Whirlpool is reconstituting condensed beer or powdered beer or something. And remember that Pat's backcountry, that backpacking guy that had the, the, the kit where you would buy the little beer packet and you would pour it into a bottle and throw in some carbonator tabs and put it on the lid and shake it. And it would give you a beer out in the backcountry. Sort of. He was, wasn't in production when we first talked about it. And I've, emailed him twice since he's been selling his stuff asking you know hey we'd love to sample your thing and review your product but he's ignored me so i don't know pat's back country whatnot but 
he it's beer for backpackers who don't want to carry the beer right where you could get the water out of a stream and reconstitute the beer and carbonate it and drink so it, it's condensed it's, beer yeah he has a proprietary method for condensing the beer and they come in these little uh, squeeze out packets like a, a little foil packet type thing yeah, so you you wonder how much is going to taste like something out of a bottle. And similarly, I mean that's basically a soda stream that does alcohol, right? I mean, uh, I mean there, there's no real. It's like something that makes it'd be like a Tang machine or a Kool Aid machine where it takes the powder and makes a drink, right? But where there's alcohol involved, right? yeah. So it's, I would say it's more like that. But it it, it puts carbonation in there too. Oh, it so. puts carbonation in there. So yeah, but. Okay, so it's a soda stream plus flavor. Yeah. You know, with some kind of powder packet or something mm-hmm. like that. So imagine Tang or a packet of Kool-Aid and making carbonated Kool-Aid out of right. with the machine. And That's kind they, of what this does. However, they get the alcohol in there. It's either like condensed, like a heavy syrup that mm-hmm. actually has the alcohol in it, or there's actually this powdered alcohol stuff that um I've seen certain states wondering whether they need to ban it or whatnot. So you can actually dry out alcohol, apparently, and then reconstitute it. Sure. I, I don't see any reason why not. Can you snort it? <laughs> That's probably why these states want to ban it. Would be, it would be amazing if, if you could snort beer. That would be... Would it really be amazing, Greg? It would kind of be amazing. I don't know whether... I'm not saying it would be good. I'm just saying it, it would be just... <laughs> you want to do some lines, bro? <laughs> Just pale, like, oh, yeah. If that amazes you, have at it. <laughs> okay, so that was the Twin Lakes uh, Pale Ale from Greenville, Delaware. I'm wondering where to go next. We got Black is the New Witch. You want to try Black Whip Beer? Yes. This is a collaboration between Terrapin and New Belgium. Black is the new wit, a black wit beer. Of course, you know. Yeah, of course. Malted, malted. The malts that are used are two-row pale malt, torrified wheat, malted wheat, rye, midnight wheat, which is where some of the darkness comes from, and D.H. Carafa 3, which is where a lot of the darkness comes from. Those Carafa malts. Hops that are used are Sriracha Ace, Lemon Drop. That's a new one. I've heard of it, but it's probably and the first time I've had it. Mandarina Bavaria. And the adjuncts are Coriander, Bitter, Orange Peel. 8.2% alcohol by volume. It is a black beer. <laughs> yeah, so this beer is available here in Pittsburgh. I picked it up at Giant Eagle. Um, it's distributed via Terrapin, so we get it. If it was distributed via New Belgium, we wouldn't, we wouldn't get it. Maybe it's by both. I don't know. But this one definitely has a Terrapin cap on it and is delivered to the Terrapin wholesaler. All right. So the aroma on this one, yeah, it definitely screws with you because you're drinking this thing that looks like a sports beer. Yeah. Um, why I say sports beer not stuck is because it doesn't... It seems like the it has a little more... Light. It seems like it has more of a translucence, too, than a stout does. Eh, that could be... I mean, the, the thing that that points me in the direction is the lacing is like the lacing is not mm-hmm. darker or brown, so and it, it it looks a little less viscous maybe. It does, than it makes yeah. Sense. And then you smell the thing, 
and you smell a couple things. You definitely smell some coriander or cardamom. You smell some lemony things. I'm wondering if lemon drop hops actually smell like lemon drops because you're kind of smelling that. Oh, they also wood age this. It doesn't quite have the wheaty, the the lemongrass type of wheat right. aroma that a Whitbeard would typically have. They call it an imperial black rye Whitbeard. Oh, the rye definitely comes through. You definitely smell the rye now. Now that you mentioned that, it's an interesting aroma. That's yeah, that's it's it, and it definitely when you you're looking at the beer, you have it against your nose, and you're smelling this thing that is. Just not what you're, what you're expecting to smell. It's it's playing games with your head. The um, flavors are quite interesting. It takes a little bit of navigating to figure out what you're tasting. The rye is a big flavor here. You're getting the, some... The, the wood at the end, too, really picks up. Yeah, the barrel age comes through. I forgot that you told me it was barrel age. I was saying there's something like kind of barrely in here, and I'm not sure where that came from, but I'm glad you spoke up before I said that out loud, because... Well, I did say it out loud. But anyway, uh, yeah, the barrel comes through. It doesn't quite have the wit beer... It wheat. starts out wit. I mean, it starts out with those qualities, you I think, think. You think it has like a... a I mean, I'm I'm not complaining, right? But it doesn't have you know giving our listeners benchmarks. It doesn't really reach what a wit beer is, aside from some of that coriander. I don't get the kind of tangy lemongrass flavor. I mean, no, they it, it's it's stronger than a wit beer is. It has a lot more back end mm-hmm. uh, the the rye and the barrel. No, it's it's not um, it's not a, it's not a a traditional wit beer by any stretch of the imagination. The, right. the starting flavors start you off in a wit beer area, and then it just flies off and it, totally it pulls direction. you out of that area really quickly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it does kind of start off wit beer, and then it just tangentially just goes off way off the the reservation in a mm-hmm. totally different direction. But it's it's definitely interesting. You no, know, it's certainly interesting. Like I said, I wasn't complaining. It, it the rye. I think the rye is really well done, better so than many rye beers that mm-hmm. I've had. It rolls into that barrel. There's like a touch of. So, so I don't know if that's my the the bottle says seven point four, although the website says eight point two. I'm going to trust the bottle on this one. They probably I'm over. I'm not sure if my. Eyes are screwing with me because of the color, but it seems like it kind of bends into just a touch of anise or something like that. Do you get anything? The only thing I would say is that I think that I think the barrel is a bit overwhelming on the rest of the flavor. I wonder what it would be like without the barrel aging. I wonder because I think the rye would come through as sort of a spicy kick added to the mm-hmm. coriander, and it might be. It might not finish well. Maybe that's why they put it into barrels. Yeah. Maybe they felt they needed. I mean, to the barrel well. doesn't. I think the barrel adds more oakiness to it than it does any kind of bourbony or whiskiness yeah, to it. Yes, yeah, true. So but it definitely adds uh, that wood character, right? He adds, which is you know a, a bit of vanilla, a bit mm-hmm. of you know a bit of that um, slightly. It, it's kind of a different a different pine that you would get from uh, hops. It's just mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, a little bit of a resiny, um, but a, a kind of mahogany resiny. 
Right. It's it's interesting for sure. They say it's aged on cedar. Hmm. Hmm. Doesn't Not really it. smell like a closet or anything. No. Not really tasting that cedar closet type smell. It has, you know, those the spicy flavors. It kind of reminds me a little bit of that old-fashioned we had last time. Okay, no, this is... All right. This explains, I think, a lot. Because... I was getting something that I wasn't quite sure of. And you said Annecy, and I think it was more towards wintergreen. But... Okay. New Belgium's beer. Their version is aged on cedar. Terrapin's... Is aged on sassafras. We're drinking the terrapin version. It's aged on sassafras. Oh, okay. Sassafras, huh? So sassafras is where like root beer comes from. That, mm-hmm. The, the wintergreen esque right. flavors. And I think anise was relatively yeah. close. It, it kind of, yeah. I mean, it, now that I come at it with that lens, I, I'm. Kind of tasting some different aspects of the beer, and it kind of makes a little more sense, I think. Mm-hmm. Thinking of sassafras, knowledge is everything. Yeah, you, you you may wonder why why is it that you guys you know oh you're, you're talking about something and then you change as soon as you get more information. The way I look at it is it's getting more information is kind of like when you have cliff notes when you're reading a Shakespeare play. Because sometimes some things can be hidden or obscured from you, but once you make once mm-hmm. the, once the connection is being told to you, it opens up and you're you're more open to seeing where that thing is. This is this is the same sense. Giving more information tells us where to focus our attention. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you blind. You know, tasting something blind. We're not hardly drinking this blind, but we're drinking it blind to some of the production aspects of it, and. You know, we're, we have certain expectations. We have certain prejudices, right. you know, expe- and things that we expect to be in this beer. And sometimes there's kind of a, a static, right, where we're trying to make it fit. doesn't fit quite well. It, does, it seems like square peg round hole. Right. And as soon as you say sassafras, we're like, oh, let me look at that again. And it fits all of a sudden because we're using a different lens when we're evaluating the beer. You know, some people, like, I was just listening to, um, on the, the Strange Brews podcast, they just had Ray Daniels from the Cicerone program on, and they were talking a little bit about the Master Cicerone certification, and there's, like, only nine of them so far, uh-huh. but it's like a sommelier thing, where you're doing blind tastings, identifying styles of beer. They don't worry so much about, like, like when you're doing a wine sommelier, you're supposed to be able to identify the region, the winery, you know, all from the terroir of, of what you're tasting. Beer's not quite that way, but you should be able to nail styles and whatnot. And I think we do pretty good at styles for things that are too style. Yes. But then you drink something like this, and because it's so many blurred lines, you know, I would love to see what a Master Cicerone would do blindly tasting this. Would they pull Sassafras? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what a, you know, how... The super tongue on somebody who's a master cicerone would work. Mm-hmm. Would would they be able to pull out this stuff without having the information on it? But for for those of us who don't or have mere the, mortals, yeah, or mere mortals, 
getting the information allows you to to put it in the right light. What's the next beer? Let's see. What do we got going on here? Well, let's do the red IPA from Star Hill. Okay. Reviver. Red IPA. By the way, the black is a new wit. It came from... Uh, Craft Beer Radio funds. It came from all of you who use craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. And this beer, Star Hill? Came from Star Hill. Star Hill Brewery. Thank you, Star Hill. This is their Red India Pale Ale. They use Pilsner, Wheat, Crystal, and Chocolate as their malts. In the kettle, for hopping, Citra, Amarillo, Simcoe, and Columbus. Dry hopped with Mosaic, Citra, and Amarillo. Is that it? And they use an ale yeast. 6.2% alcohol by volume, 45 IBUs. No torpedo or bright tank hopping or bottle hopping or anything like that? Just kettle and dry. Kettle and dry. Okay, so the beer pours, it, they ain't lying when they say red ale. It, it's dark in color, but if you look at the highlights that come through this thing, uh, they definitely have a reddish tint to it. It's, uh, well, through the glass, I can just kind of see the outline of my finger. It's pretty dark. Um, yeah. If you got this in a dark bar, it, it would, would look brown yeah. or black. The uh, the head kind of dissipated. It's down to just a thin, wispy head at this point. Definitely smelling citra off of this. I'm smelling something a little more dank. I'm smelling like some Chinook and Amarillo. Well, there is Amarillo in here. I don't... I, like it. I know you mentioned it, but I don't recall. I'm just kind of pulling yeah. what I think I smell off of it. I think, or I think early on, as soon as it, as soon as I poured it, I think I did remember recall smelling something pretty bright and citrus, or bright and tropical, like a mosaic or something like that. Um, but yeah, I'm smelling something that's much more dank. All right. Yeah, it's just hops, really, on the aroma. Mm-hmm. There's not much in the way of malts. The flavor carries through with that. Lots of hops. I mean, there's a malt, there's a malt character that's backing things up, but it's not really even to the point of balance. You know, it's playing a, a supporting role, but it's not balancing the the hops really. Yeah, it's kind of a wafer cracker of, of a malt. The hmm. there is a lot of hops on there that are kind of pulling in a lot of directions. So I'm trying to to figure out. Hmm. Might be some more information on these nicely laminated Star Hill collateral pieces they gave us. A little dirty, a little bit. A little bit of pineapple. Yeah, not my, not anything extra. Mm-hmm. Right, what we already said. But they're nice and laminated. That's the first. <laughs> okay, so yeah, there's no Chinook in here. Columbus, though, makes sense. The Amarillo Columbus is what's really standing out for me. 
uh, maybe a little bit of Simcoe. The mosaic and the Citra are kind of lost for me. The Citra I'm not was, getting was those... immediately, once you poured it, it was pretty bright, and then, okay. yeah, then it went away. Yeah, I'm not really getting those tropical flavors that I expect from those kind of guys. This is a 2015 spring seasonable, available February through April. There's a, a good kind of pininess here, a good pineapple and pine tree. Pineapple and pine cone together at last. Mm-hmm. It's they interesting. Rec- it they recommend this with a bunch of different foods, but the dessert they recommend carrot cake. I would recommend this with a cheddar cheese soup. For cheeses, they do recommend sharp cheddar and or gargonzola. I think the sharp cheddar makes sense. Mm-hmm. Although I, blue cheese and IPAs are very, very good together. I just saw a thing on Twitter today. It was from... Oh, where was it from? I think it was from a grocery market chain. One that's more prevalent out west, I think. But they did a beer and cheese pairing kind of infographic. But it was beer and IPA pairing. So they were pairing different IPAs with cheeses. Okay, you said beer and IPA. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, I realized I just said that. But, you know, not just beer and cheese, but like Southern Tier had a cheese and Sierra Nevada had a different cheese. So they were pairing the different IPAs with cheeses. I mean, it makes sense because they are different. It is. That's, that's advanced, though. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's cutting it down to a pretty... Fine resolution. Yeah, that is sort of, you know, but, I, but I'm not saying it's nonsense. I'm saying, yes, there are different characteristics in these IPAs. And I could see how they could play different with cheese. But that's a, that's an advanced level class you're playing with right there. Mm-hmm. I think it was Wegmans, maybe. I, I'll, I'll try to look it up here when I get some time and update you. If for it having the somewhat Doherty factor and having the somewhat, you know, pine, you know, the, the 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 overwhelming factor that these hops can have, this is this is agreeing with me surprisingly well. I'm I'm liking it a lot. I I, I usually these overwhelming kind of super dank ones don't don't bring out the excitement in me, but this one is I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Well, that's cool. It's fine for me. I'm not really too excited about it. I'm looking into it here. You got the the dortiness, the dankness. It's not going overwhelming in any of those notes, which I, which I like. It's it's still it's substantial, but yeah, not overwhelming. I I'll agree with that. here get those hops out of the glass so however the double ipa yeah so uh, we could probably take a hop break we could probably do one of these ones next okay let's do the yeah, let's do the christmas beer all right we haven't got to this one because it's not a style that greg particularly likes no it's not uh, carl strauss sent us the five wee heavy bells which is a Scotch on Scotch ale. Scotch on Scotch ale. Oh, Sounds dirty. Oof. 
So 9.5% octobyte volume, 25 IBUs. Uh, do you like Wii Heavies? I don't, but I always am in the mood to try something I don't like to see if something can change my mind. Can you give me that uh, stopper right there? Thank you. I was playing with that stopper. Well, now it's stopping the beer. Isn't that the one that just can pop off randomly? Not so much randomly. Just if you give it a nudge, it'll pop off. Yeah. I have to go track down all the xyluses. I know there's several upstairs. So this is part of their holiday release. They had this thing where they started with... Uh, was it um, a parrot and a palm tree? Mm-hmm. And then they went to two tortugas... Uh, then Moeta Tra and Four Scowling Owls. So this is their five Wii Heavy Bells. And if you go back through the archives, I think you'll hear us drinking at least four of these. I think we missed one. I think we missed the three here. So they took a traditional Scotch ale and aged it on Scotch-soaked American oak chips. Oh, okay. No problem with that. Scotch-soaked chips. I wonder how uh, I wonder how much like how many fifths of scotch they opened up and poured on wood for the uh, preparation of this. That's an interesting question. This was December third, twenty fourteen, so not too long ago. No, I mean for this kind of beer, it's definitely in season. Yeah, it might be hard to find for people who are like, "Oh, that sounds amazing. Let me find that." Sorry, but. It's worth talking about. So the beer, it pours uh, a nice... Kind of a ruby, right? I mean... Yeah, it's a ruby color. It's lighter than the, the, the red IPA that we just had. Very clear. It's a pretty color, a uh, ruby brown. And the aroma's kind of closed off. I'm not getting a ton out of the aroma here. Let me try to coat the edges of the glass. I do this whole... We've talked about this in the past, but let's recap it briefly for people who might not know. To really open up the aroma on your beer, we're drinking these in tulips or snifters. And what we do is we put the bowl of the tulip in our one hand and we tilt the beer until it's about half an inch from spilling out the top of the glass. And then we just rotate the glass along its axis to have the beer kind of coat and put lacing up over the whole glass. And that just multiplies the surface area for what you're smelling. Stick your nose in the glass, and I'm still not getting much of anything. I can smell that it's a little bit of, you know, what you expect from a Scottish ale. It's kind of that, um... It smells very malty. It doesn't smell particularly peaty. It doesn't smell peaty, but the malt kind of has that... What's the word I'm looking for? Ah, come on. Don't fail me now, adjectives. Well, they've been failing you all show. Yeah, they have, yeah. <laughs> Why stop now? Yeah. Just slightly earthy notes. Uh, it's it's hard to... Yeah, it is kind of hard to pull out specifics beyond it. Just it, it smells very um, malty in, in a... Those. It's kind of a combination. See, yeah, I'm kind of... The smell, I'm trying to describe it, and I'm kind of like coming down to a blend of cherry, flowers, and cream. 
I don't know if that makes any sense. I doubt people are going to be able to hear what I say and distill it down to what I'm smelling. But when I'm trying to go from smell to flavors. It's kind of this a little bit of creamy dairy. It's a little bit of cherries and it's a little bit of flowers. But it's none of those. Mm. Oh, you lost me. <laughs> I know. It's none of those spot on, right? Yeah, if you're yeah. looking for any one of those flavors, you're not going to find it. It's just kind of the combination of those three is how I can describe what I'm smelling. The weird thing is I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying right. it just it, you know, it doesn't quite fit with, with me, but I don't have a good way of describing it either. So let's just go on to the flavor and see what we think. Okay, so the flavor is not... There's a lot more in the flavor than coming out of the nose on this one. It definitely has a, I mean, it's definitely a sweet beer. You get a lot of, it's not dry. You get a lot of residual sweetness on it. It kind of has this, let me take another sip here. (laughs) Kind of a brown sugar lollipop. Brown sugar lollipop. There's a bit of plum to yeah, it yeah like and and if you want to get pickier it's like the plum that's closer to the pit than it is to the skin that's pretty picky but yeah sure it's just something that came into my mind it's like you know with apples right the, yeah like yeah. i find that the top of the apple tastes different than the bottom oh, of the sure, apple sure. you know so it's just if you're getting into nuance if you can imagine like when you're towards the end of the plum when you're eating this part next to the pit it's more like that there's um, a little bit of a raisiny character too. I guess mm. that's you know the the plum and prune, so that's right. somewhat similar. It's not striking me as a particularly, especially like a lot of wee heavies that I've drank. It it feels a little bit sweeter than wee heavies without having mm-hmm. a lot of you know a lot of peaty character. First sip, it tasted like there's a fair amount of esters in this, like almost like a Belgian character. Right. And after a couple sips, I'm walking back from thinking that there's any Belgian character to it. But if there's anything worth noting is there's some floral esters coming out of the fermentation of this beer. So that might be on the American oak. Could be. I was thinking it was more of a yeast thing. But could be. I'm not tasting anything too oaky. Like, you know, we already had an oak beer tonight. The black is the new wit. That was sassafras. Oh, that was sassafras. Okay. You're right. It's very, very sweet. It It's like sweeter than barley wine sweet. It was strong. Um, it it kind of tastes like a, like a simple syrup. It's that kind of sweetness. It... it I can also feel the alcohol on this. There's a little it. bit of... What's the word I want to look for? There's a little bit of tannicness or something from there. It's a little bit like a tea or like a tea bag, right? There's, so it's keeping from being cloying, I think. Or, but It's a scotch ale. It's going to be sweet. But I'm getting a little bit of tannicness that's pulling it back a little bit. Uh, it's not boozy at all. You can't really taste that it's a high alcohol beer. I can you can t- taste you taste booziness, or you can no just... no I don't taste the okay. the alcohol, but I but it, I feel it. You know, it's one of those that goes to your head pretty quickly. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't. 
It feels like if you know, it feels very rich, like really rich. And if you have a hard time getting through very rich things, and I think mm-hmm. this will be a, a hard time for you, like it is for me. It's it's like I take a little bit, and I just have to stop and like process mm-hmm. the amount of yeah. overwhelming sweetness. There, there definitely is a sweet beer. That's what Scotch Ales are. So it's kind of what you sign up for when you go for this beer. All right. So if you would like to help us out just a little bit, well, then there's a great way you can do it without even without even doing anything other than what you would normally do. Everyone shops on Amazon. If you ain't shopping on Amazon, you ain't cool. Yes. If you ain't shopping on Amazon, you ain't cool. And when you shop on Amazon, you do not want to go to Amazon.com. You want to go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. That's all there is to it. Costs you nothing more. Takes a second out of your day. And everything you buy, a portion of the cost, instead of going to Jeff Bezos, goes to us. And it helps us support the show. We buy, for instance, these cool mic switches that mean we you don't, don't have hear them. us sniff anymore. Like here, I'm going to sniff, like clear my nose a little bit, but I'm going to use the cough. See, you didn't hear that. If I didn't use the cough button, it would be. And <laughs> so, big difference. So, that's what shopping on Amazon gets for you is you don't have to hear our yeah. biological noises as much anymore. And some beers, like um, the. Which one the black is the new black wit. Black is the new wit is yeah. an example of, of stuff that you know we get based off the uh, uh, the stuff and, and you know various other equipment and stuff. We got some equipment for doing live shows, uh, online stuff. We may be doing some more interviews and things like that. All stuff that uh, you can help us out with just by shopping normally like you would on Amazon.com. No, no, not Amazon.com. Well, you would go to Amazon.com, but instead of going to Amazon.com, you go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon, and then you do your shopping like you would on Amazon.com. Yes. There's no such thing as Amazon.com. It's Amazon via craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Fair enough. All right. Uh, do you want to do coffee or double IPA? I think we saved the double IPA for Yes, life. I was going to say, yeah. So this is the third Mobcraft beer that we were sent. This is Batshit Crazy, a coffee beer. Inside... Inside, you, you of can't the, talk while you're hitting the cough <laughs> button. It, it, it doesn't. It's not no. smart enough to to know which no. part to mute. We still have to work on our etiquette with you sometimes. They give you recipe details because we've talked about Minecraft and how they're a they crowdsource, crowdsource type thing. Yeah. The so they give you the recipe details for how to do your own five gallon batch. They use lactose for fifteen minutes. Four ounces of coffee grounds. This is uh, like I said, a five gallon batch. Um, they use a 50-50 blend of dark and light roasted Guatemalan coffees. The malt bill, though, is pale ale malt, victory crystal 60L and chocolate, and the hop regimen, fuggle and goldings, 25 IBUs, 5.6% alcohol by volume. All right. They use coffee from the Just Coffee Cooperative. And Mobcraft is in... Ooh, this one is a uh, 2014 GABF Silver Medal winner in coffee beer. And I don't want to get it wrong. I want to find... Madison, Wisconsin. I knew they were in Wisconsin. I wanted to read the label before I said where they were from. You immediately notice coffee often on this. You do. 
It's funny, when I first cracked the cap on this thing, I got a huge hiff of aroma, and there were some volatiles that were coming off the thing that was not just coffee. And I was wondering if batshit crazy was going to be like a very complex and interesting beer, kind of like old-fashioned was. I don't know what I had smelled. It was things that were a little more sulfury or, or something, right? But they were just kind of volatilizing flavors that are gone now. I don't smell them in the glass. So like I said, they added lactose to it to put a little bit of sweetness in there. So it was sort of like a, a latte. Uh, they uh, It's basically a brown ale that is then brewed with chocolate, with, with, with uh, a little bit of chocolate malt and... Um, and then there's coffee and lactose. So where does batshit come from? I don't know. There must be it's guano in there somewhere. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, was it Terrapin? The Guano Loco? Was it Terrapin? Yeah, something like that. And I had a big stink about, you know, calling the beer <laughs> guano. That Guano Loco is batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. And this is... yeah. I don't see anything. I haven't read this whole side label here. I don't see anything specifically about why, like, whether the coffee is coffee doesn't appear isn't apparently processed through the digestive tract of bats or anything like that. Big coffee aroma. The parts you're getting are kind of like a a bean, almost like a. It's either. Like fresh ground coffee or maybe like in the steep when you're making a French press. That's kind of what it smells like. Hmm. This is interesting because I'm so used to now drinking black coffee that something that tastes like a sweetie, you know, Mm -hmm. a sweet sugary milk coffee kind of tastes a little not good to me. Okay. This has that plus a slight tang that I'm not sure where the heck that's hmm. coming from either. So I may have to um, sit for a second on this one. For yeah, get some totally, calibration in yeah. there. Uh, I mean, I drink straight black coffee like you. Same brands of coffee that you've been yeah. drinking. Uh, you know, it's not really bothering me. I mean, you have beer malt in there, right? So it's going to be sweet. So yes. it's going to be a little yes. more like a sugared coffee than drinking a straight up bitter Right, black, and, black and, and, and I think that may be part of the problem is that I am not used to having coffee, you know, in sweet things for like I haven't had coffee ice cream in a while. Mm-hmm. I'm so used to having the these really, you know, Jeff gets this really great coffee or nearby, and I get those beans and I make that coffee, and that's what I'm used to being coffee. And then I mm-hmm. taste something else, and it's reminded me of it, but it's not it's not as good as that. And so it's well, it's hard to be. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think, you know, it's very rare you find a coffee beer that is as good as, I call it my golden cups, you know, like once in a while, like in the morning, I will make a cup of coffee that just angels start singing when you drink it. Yeah. It's the golden cup of coffee. I don't know why I can't make it every day. Maybe part of it's because of my taste buds. But when I make that golden cup of coffee, angels sing and I've never had beer anywhere close to the golden cup. I've had beer that's good with coffee flavor, but there's just so much nuance in a great fresh pressed cup of coffee, cup of coffee that never make it into any coffee beer. Right. I got a new grinder for work because I had a little one of those 
spinning. A whirling blade. Oh yeah. yeah. He... So I got a, a um, hand crank. Hand crank. Yeah. Okay. With a ceramic hand crank, and it takes a bit of time, but it definitely. I, you can smell a lot more volatile. Yeah, a burr grinder is the way to go. My George down the street, the other guy I buy coffee for, I didn't realize he had a spinning blade grinder, and he just bought a compressor, compresso like the one I have. He's like, "Oh my god, it makes such a difference." I'm like, "George, if I knew you were using a, such a shitty coffee grinder, well, what I do is I I spin it in the simple grinder first, just to get it okay. chopped up a bit, and okay. then I put it into the into the burr grinder." I think I think that's fine. You know, you, you just want a consistent grind. So yeah. as long as you're not getting too much extra fine stuff that falls straight through the burr, I, I, I suppose that, I mean, yeah, that's fine. I don't see any reason not to. Uh, did Damien show you, he showed me a kick. I think it was Damien, he showed me a Kickstarter for uh, a hand crank coffee grinder. The kind of, the crank's like right, like it's at a right angle from the, the thing. It's like a new, people are trying to like, Kickstarter, right? They're uh-huh. they're people who have done science to make a better hand crank coffee grinder, right? Like you know, electrostatic coating so the coffee grinds don't stick to the side of the thing, and this ergonomic grinder and stuff. You didn't see that one? No, no. Okay. Um, I was wondering if that's the one you got. No, I just got plain old big. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 kind of unwieldy sometimes because you have to do a lot of grinding, right? Well, you can imagine why having a, a, a transmission in there and having the crank go this way, where you're doing vertical circles, would be easier than reaching yeah. across your body and doing a horizontal circle. That's kind of off topic, so let's get back to the beer. Now I'm smelling... I've gotten a little used to the sweetness now. Mm-hmm. I'm still, still. I'm just not into the, the lactic, part of it. I feel like that is over sweet again. It's just you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the battle of the sweetness, and the sweetness just feels a little. This whole show, I've been more into, definitely more into the the bitter than the sweet. It's interesting. That's normally not Greg, but. I, I mean, well, look, the, the very first beer I, I loved, I loved the the malty mm-hmm. pale ale. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I didn't, you know, I don't like the sweet. It's just when the sweet is overwhelming, mm-hmm. I'm not into it as much. This feels a little too sweet to me. Yeah, I mean, the beer beer's fine. I'm enjoying it. It's... uh. You know, it's a slightly above average coffee beer, coffee stout for me. I'm like, I'm not getting anything too uh, exciting or different out of the coffee aromas. The coffee aroma I'm getting now is reminding me more of the spent grounds. Mm-hmm. You know, like after I do my AeroPress and right before I push them right into the trash, you know, that's kind of the smell of the of the spent grounds a little bit, a little more bitter, a little more acrid. Uh, is the aroma that's coming off the thing. The flavor, the the lactose they put in there, it kind of gives it that little creamed coffee, a little bit of a frappuccino type thing in the flavor. And it's fine. It's, a, it's just not what we're used to. and so It's not what we're used to. Exactly. And the name kind of hyped it a little bit for me. I was looking for a batshit crazy use of coffee and beer. And this is kind of run-of-the-mill coffee and beer. So Basically. I was a little hyped up by the name and maybe let down a little bit by the execution. 
Okay, so our last beer of the night is from Summit. I believe Summit sent this to us. Yes. This is their Hop Silo Double IPA in a can. I mean, we don't really say in a can very much anymore because lots of beers come in cans now. Lots of craft beers, I should say. Yep. This is in a pounder can, and it's double IPA. One of the things you might not see readily on the documentation is they use a hop syrup concentrate in this. So it's not all hops. They Put out the whole can. Just give, yeah. They have a video where they are... Um, like using a can opener to open these cans of hop concentrate and pour. It looks like malt extract, right? Mm-hmm. But it's hop extract that they pour into the stuff. And I tweeted Summit about it and asked them, you know, did anyone taste this hop extract straight? And if so, are they still alive? <laughs> and he's like, uh, "We the brewers did, or some of the brewers did. And it's the kind of thing that sticks with you and your fingers all day. I can buy that. So the Hop Silo Double IPA, the malts that are used. This is an interesting malt bill. Crisp Pale, Crisp Best Pale, Simpsons Premium, English Caramel, and Simpsons Crystal Dark. And the hops utilized, like you said, in a syrup, Zeus, Azaka, that's new, Apollo, Lemon Drop again. Two Lemon Drops in one show. That's interesting. And Cascade. It's taking the world by storm. They use their house ale yeast. 8.3% alcohol by volume. 101 IBUs. I should say 101 IBUs. Your threshold is around 80. So anytime they go, anytime IBUs go above really 60, you're kind of... About 80 to the high 80s, 90, yeah. somewhere in there, yeah. Hundred and and yeah, a hundred and one is just you know one more than a hundred. Yeah. There's there's that in straight bitterness, but there's other nuances you get out of right, ultra right. hopping a beer. So it's kind of an intangible. A one hundred and one doesn't mean that it's like teeth enamel eating bitter. It means that it's maximum bitterness. But maybe some additional intangibles. Yeah, so I, I, I think that the point is that as, as, a, as a number, the scale kind of, once it gets around 80, it, it kind of loses its, its meaning. Well, it, I, it, I, think it, I don't think it loses its meaning. I think that it It loses implies, meaning as a measurable quantity. Then it becomes other things. It applies different things. Like, if someone told me... 90 versus 101 versus 360. You know, I would imagine that the 360 is going to have a big green vegetal flavor as well, a harvest type thing or something like that. You know, so there's along that scale, you expect different things to come and go. And when it gets ultra hopped, you know, well over 100, the, the, the well over 100. Where that comes from, for people who might not know, is there's some homebrewer formulas and, and, and probrewer formulas that estimate the IBUs in a beer. And the formulas tend to be linear or 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 exponential or something, but there's there's this projected curve on it. And uh 
in reality, at a certain point, you stop getting that pickup. So the curve, the line becomes dotted, and it's like projected IBUs. Yeah. So for something like this, instead of IBUs, they probably should say projected IBUs. Maybe. I, I just think that after you get a certain point in terms of, of tangibility, in terms of what IBU actually means, you, it's, it, it, it loses its uh, ability. To, it really just gets fuzzy after beyond around 80 or so. The, it doesn't really matter. It just gets fuzzy. Now, there, there's lots, lots of areas it could be in the fuzz and things it could point out, but where it is in that fuzz is just hard to tell. Beer pours a clear, medium dark orange. You can see your fingerprints through the glass. Pour with a nice head. It's kind of fallen down to a nice, consistent coating over the top. The aroma on this guy. It's hoppy. You get a kind of a pithy orange peel. Seems like the Zeus might be standing out a little bit where it's kind of that pithiness, a little bit, a touch of dank, but not too dank. I just lost my coaster because it's stuck to the bottom of my glass. I've had this beer, not at the end of a flight of beers, and I, I, it doesn't come across as hoppy as I remember it, but yeah, we're kind of kind of filled up with a flight here. Yeah. There's a very sticky hop character to it. Mm-hmm. It reminds me something like a when you when you put uh, harvest hops into something, there's a little bit of there's a lot of a sticky resiny character. There's a yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it doesn't really come across. I mean, I get what you're saying about the sticky part. I'm trying to refine the sticky part. It doesn't really have that grassiness, that greenness, that wetness that that a, a fresh hop beer would have. But it does have that feel of uh, extra saturated double IPA. And I know they did this through syrup. Is that cheating? I don't know. I think it tastes good, but it tastes like cheating. I don't understand well, what you mean by cheating. I yeah. I, first off, I don't mean to imply there's any cheating being had here, but you know, in the day, for someone to make a beer that tasted like this, you know, it was something we would call like a masterful use of hops, right? And these guys used a canned extract. And it, but it gets you to the same place, right? So does it matter? No, it doesn't really matter. But it has this wonderful use of hops. It's sticky. It's thanks, not the right word, but it's definitely sticky and citrusy and saturated. It's and a, still kind of bright too. Yeah, it's a saturated use of hops. I think hop silo here is is quite tasty. It's it's a good use of double IPA. But still, why? Why would people consider that cheating? Because the first time that anyone ever tasted a beer like this, right, it was about a brewer who threw the hops in the kettle and made this come out instead of some some mess, right? And now some someone else is doing the hop extract, right, and they're adding the extract to the beer. I, I, 
I didn't really want to dwell on this. I don't think that they're cheating personally. I think this. No, beer I, is and a good I don't beer. think that you do. But I think that th- the idea that people that there are people who consider it cheating, which what you brought up, I, I yeah, I think that some people would consider adding a hop extract to the beer cheating. And I'm wondering why. I'm wondering what is the mindset that beer has to be this particular from this scratch particular way. from scratch, right? Yeah, where you're not buying any kind of extract. You're making you're, yeah. you're using all the raw ingredients. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe I'm off base there. I don't know. I don't know what else I really have to say about it. I mean, I'd, I'd like to talk to somebody who thinks that way, just because I'd, I'd be interested to, to to hear their perspective. I don't get why it's cheating. You're still making a product anyway, in any way you, you you put it. You're still doing the work to make the product. It's just. Right. That, you're you're taking this step uh, to to simplify one of the various aspects of, of the, the process. Sure, if it works, it works. I think it does work. I, I I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get into this whole side side channel here because I don't have a great argument for it. Uh, I, so I apologize if I was spouting off at all about assuming no, you weren't. That you, you weren't. Some I, I was just I was latching on to something that I felt was interesting. So. Yeah, yeah um, I don't know about specifically about how many people would feel that using this hop extract is cheating. Some people, you know, we have a stigma against fruit extracts, right? Fruit extracts don't taste as good as using fruit and beer. We like, have we have a stigma against it because. It's used generally poorly. If we had one that was used well, correctly, sure. then we wouldn't but, have a stigma you know, against it. But we're talking about a beer that's using this hop extract. It's easy for someone to draw a line between those two points. That fruit extracts are almost always sub or inferior. If you can make a beer like this with, with you know, well, I, I'm saying hop- what I'm saying is I I I mentioned it initially. To kind of counter the assumption of someone making that, oh, I heard the word extract, extract equals bad. And and to, to tie that into why someone would think that, I would equate it back to if you hear something like beer with cherry extract added, you would expect, or raspberry extract added, you would think, oh, it's probably going to be this medicinal thing. Yes, you probably would think that. Mostly because there's a history of those not working. Not because it's cheating, but because it doesn't work. If it works, then we wouldn't care. I should think we wouldn't care. That's a good point. Maybe cheating wasn't the right word. Uh, I kind of maybe applied cheating to mean something like... I I really don't want to get into this. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what I meant to say. I apologize. I, I so, but but don't let the term you know let the idea nothing of, for you to apologize about. I, I don't just, let the idea. I of, thought it was an interesting topic. If you don't think it's interesting, then we can we can abandon it. Well, we've already spent ten minutes on it. Don't so let, let's spend ten more. So let's go. <laughs> don't let the idea of this hop extract uh, discourage you at all. If anything, it just makes me more interested. I'm, you know, that's kind of interesting to me. Well, here, look at this. Okay, so here's a good proposal. If the hop extract can make a beer like this, 
and keep their production costs down. So you're not paying 30% more for this can of beer. Uh That's a good thing. Well, assuming that they are passing the savings on to you. Okay. Well, I mean, that's usually how business works, but sure, I mean. Mm, (laughs) Now you're making lots of really, really bad assumptions. assumptions. Yes. Okay, fine. (laughs) So... You, do you want to rank these suckers, or should we just call it a night? <laughs> I, honestly, I really don't want to rank them. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. If, if I was allowed not to rank them, I would say I would just pass the night. Um, I think um, we already used up our, our non-ranking... Uh, quota for the lifetime of the show? No, no. We, I, I, I think I generally call out that we can do it once a year. Okay. It's and only... I, th- I think we already used it this year. <sighs> I know. Really? Yeah. It's not even April yet. Let me check to make sure, but I believe we have. <laughs> uh, and Well, we ranked, We didn't rank the... There, I think there was one show that was ridiculous that didn't make sense to rank, right? Um, the 11 IPAs. Yeah. We, we, we did 322. <laughs> and yeah, we didn't want to rank 11 IPAs. Okay, so um, ranking from the bottom. I'm going to have to put the Carl Strauss in last place. It didn't strike me well tonight. Didn't have that much complexity to it. The scotch-soaked American oak chips really didn't make a noticeable appearance in the beer. And so that would be six. Number five. I don't... No, I don't know. Third base. What's that? <sighs> it's a blur. Um, I'm gonna. Damn it! I don't know. You want to do your thing? Okay. Um, number six, Carl Strauss. Too sweet. Number five, Mobcraft. Too sweet. Okay, those are off. Too sweet. What comes next? Well, it's a little. It's 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 harder to to call at this point. The hmm. So I, I'm going to put the yeah. It is it is hard, but I think I have an idea. I'm going to put the Star Hill as my number four. I. Enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would, considering the the kind of hops that were used and, and the hot bouquet that, that came into it. But still wasn't as uh, enjoyable as uh, I would have absolutely loved. It wasn't on the same level as something like uh, this one, this summit, which is going to be my number three. Uh, I really enjoy this beer a lot. But it's kind of cheating with the hot pasture. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. I'm just kidding. No, I like this a lot. But I think the other ones are... are um, uh, it's either either they're, there's something more interesting about them or I just frankly really liked it. Uh, and so my number two is going to be the uh, Black is New Wit. Very, very interesting take on something new and love something new. It come across as as really well done. Yeah. Uh, Black is new wit. Give it a shot because, hey, your, your taste buds and your eyes are going to be like, what the heck is going on? 
There's a fight there for sure. But my number one beer, I really do think that Greenville Pale Ale is just, I mean, it just hit the spot. This little beer from Delaware. This, huh? this little Delaware beer was just, there was nothing wrong with it. it this really, little and literally old yeah. <laughs> Delaware beer. It tasted great. So I, I think you have a really good point there. So let me go back. So yeah, Carl Strauss in last place. That Scotch Ale just there's nothing technically wrong with it. It just didn't really hit the spot. I think I'm gonna put the Star Hill in uh fifth place. It uh didn't really do it for me. Uh a little bit Dank, couple hops there. I would have liked to see more of the tropical hops, more of the citrus, more of the citra, more of the mosaic to come through on that. It wasn't showing up. In fourth place, I think I'm going to put the Batchet Crazy from Mobcraft. It was a fine beer. It just uh, didn't show me any nuances I was hoping to see on a new take on coffee beer type mm. thing. Three. I'm gonna put. It gets tight here. I think I'm going to put Greenville Pale Ale in third place. It it had this neat ball backbone to it. It really didn't have a big story behind it, so that's why I'm putting it in third place. In second place, I'm gonna put the Black as the New Wit from Turpin, New Belgium. A fascinating beer. I think I might have... There's a possibility that I might have given it some props for how fascinating it was. But in number one, I'm going to put the Summit, the Unchained. I, I really like the, the saturated hop flavor on this guy. You know, we made such a big deal about whether hop extract is cheating or not. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I think it t- if you use it like this, <laughs> you use it all the time. It tastes good. All right, well, such is the way things go. And... So, I was uh, thinking of my grandparents this week. Uh, my grandpa died about 10, uh, 20 years ago. Heads bummer, man. Jesus. Yeah, I know. But one of the songs that uh, they used to sing was uh, Show Me the Way to Go Home. It's been going through my head the last week or so. You can always hear me singing this song. Show me the way to go home. And the second verse they would sing is Home me the way to go show because I'm bad and I want to go to tired I had a couple hours about a drink okay. to go Craft Beer Radio is produced under the Creative Commons license. Visit our website at craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want to contact us, beer at craftbeerradio.com is probably the best way to contact us. Or you can try to Twitter us. Tweet us at at craftbeerradio.com. I'm at CBR Greg. At Jeff Bear. Um, the... Yeah, you did pretty it. good. That's yeah. it. Shout! Shout.
Show me the way to go home. Oh yeah. I'm tired and I wanna go to bed. Uh huh. Uh huh. Had a drink about an hour ago, and it went straight to my head. Straight to my head. Wherever I may roam. Or phone. Or phone. Or phone. Or phone.